never in my life has somebody's negative attitude or negative online comment ever affected my performance. That's probably hard for a lot of people to understand. Uh, I stay off the internet for the most part. It doesn't affect me. I, I enjoy what I'm doing for me. Uh, I'm going to lift the way I want to, to please myself and nobody else. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to powerlifter Jimmy Kolb, the all-time record holder in the equipped bench press. In June 2021, he benched an astonishing 508 kilograms, or 1,120 pounds, give or take, in a single-ply bench shirt. It's the heaviest bench press ever performed by a human. Jimmy joins us to talk about training as a bench specialist, his transition from raw to equipped lifting, misconceptions about equipped lifting, and pushing human performance past boundaries of what was once thought possible. It's an interesting look at one of the most focused strength approaches we've ever seen. Now let's get to the show. Thanks a ton for, for joining us today. And, and I'm really excited to dive into your history in strength sports and powerlifting. But Jimmy, for those who might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today in lifting. So I've always been in sports um, since I was six years old, seven years old. Uh, just the normal stuff, soccer, baseball, uh, wrestling. I was in the martial arts from the age of seven to 14. Uh, and I was just kind of in a bookstore in Canton, Ohio, and uh, looking for more books on the sports I was already in. And I happened upon the uh, Joe Weider bodybuilding encyclopedia. And I looked at that and I was like, wow, that's impressive. So I, when I first got into weightlifting at 14, my first, oh, seven, eight months, probably close to a year, was spent on bodybuilding. Um, and I discovered early on, there's two routes you can take, you know, is get as big as you possibly can, and that's the outlet, or get as strong as you possibly can, which would have to, I'd have to change everything up. And I, I kind of thought that was more impressive. So that's, like I said, at 14, I trained from 14 to 18, just kind of like trying to get as big and strong as possible. And then at 18, I started competing. And then 13 years later, here I am. So you were, you were wrestling at the time. So this is kind of supplementary strength and conditioning in your teenage years. Yes. Uh, actually, when I was at 14 at that time, the only school sport that I was still actively doing was uh, shot put and discus and track and field, um, which, was, which was fun. It was, <clears throat> I'm a bigger fan of individual sports. I never did football. I never did, I mean, obviously, I never did basketball or anything like that. But um, so yeah, I, uh, when I started lifting weights, Besides track, that's what I was lifting weights for the sake of lifting weights, which drove the football coaches absolutely nuts. So <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the coaches. I wasn't going to play for them. But they, they, they wanted you, they see you, they see you lifting some big weights in the gym and they were like, Jimmy, come on. Yeah, no, I, they didn't understand that I was lifting weights for the sake of getting better at lifting weights. So tell us about. Tell us about your first, you said you started competing around 18 in, in powerlifting. Were you lifting raw? Were you lifting equipped? What was your first competition like? Give us a little bit of vision there. So I was, I lifted raw from 14 to 18, exclusively raw. Um, at 18, 
I was doing some uh, local meets that weren't sanctioned, kind of high school type meets and things like that. Uh, that was all raw. I was uh, squatting in the fives and sixes, benching in the fours, deadlifting in the fives and sixes. You know, uh, my first introduction to equipment or what what was what is still called gear. But, uh, gear has got this different uh, meaning now, which is it makes no sense to me. But we prefer equip when we write about it, just so we're like equipped? super clear. Okay, yeah. we'll call we'll call it equipped. <laughs> so we're not confused. I got it introduced to the equipment at 18 by a man named Adam Hicks. And he was the original guy who introduced me to it, taught me how to do it, brought me to my first powerlifting gym. And then, like I said, it's the rest is history up to this point. So what, what was that first gym uh, like? I think that where people train is very important in their strength careers as far as the methodology they're using, their approach to training, how they're competing, even what federation they're competing in. So tell us about that original gym where you were actually around other powerlifters. So that was, it's called Blackstone's Gym. It's in West Lafayette, Ohio. Um, where we grew up, uh, I was in the Northeastern Ohio. So about an hour South of Cleveland and an hour East of Columbus. And it's called Blackstone's Gym. And John Blackstone is, was, and still is the APF chairman for the state of Ohio. So I was introduced to powerful competitions in the APF. Uh, the environment was <laughs> rough and tough and dirty and uh, just like a chiseled out hole in the wall was our power room in this place and uh it was intense and it was always heavy and i was i was surrounded by a lot of very intelligent individuals so i learned i learned early on how to train for what we're doing uh different methods and obviously being so close to columbus and having what uh, you know influences from like elite fts the west side barbell and lexington extreme uh so that was that's how it all started back at blackstone's now, how long have you been competing in, in, I should ask, how old are you? Cause you started competing around 18. So, you know, how, how long have you been competing? How old are you today? So right now I'm 31. I just turned 31 a couple months ago. So on the dot, I've been competing for about 13 years, uh, lifting for 17, competing for 13. And did you start your, your lifting at 140 kilos right now? Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Have you have you been in that weight class since you were eighteen, or was that a gradual build up? That's a <laughs> very gradual build up. Uh, uh, no, I was my first uh, official meets. I was competing at two twenty, and I was two twenty up until right about the age of twenty to twenty one, and then I started to gain a little bit of weight to the two forty twos, and that was my home for the early my early twenties. Uh, it wasn't until later on in my late 20s, uh, when I was still enlisted in the Marine Corps, that I started lifting weights. I took a small hiatus between the years of 2015 and 2017. I uh, joined the Marine Corps, started lifting weights, mid-enlistment, and then I was high 242s, 275s, and now uh, 308s. That I, I got to say, we've actually had a couple Marines on, on the podcast and you don't see many Marines walking around at around 240 pounds. So yeah. talk, talk to us about, about that and being on the, on the heavier side for the uh, armed yeah. forces. Yeah. Uh, the Marine Corps has the strictest, probably the most annoyingly strictest uh, standards uh, that have not been updated since like the forties. Uh, so it's, it's very, it was, it was Marine Corps. It was, it was, I was active duty. I was not reserved. Uh, for four years, got out honorably after four years. Um, but there's a reason why it was only four years. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into that part. But uh, being heavier, uh, I was safe for a long time. Uh, I had a 22, 23-inch neck. 
and then a 40, 41 inch waist, which kept me in the safe zone. Cause that's how they tell how fat you are, your neck and waist. And then they do some little formula and tell you how fat you are. Um, so my neck being very large, kept me safe. My run, I was, I was a decent runner at two thirty-five. I could still run a three mile in 23 minutes, 24 minutes. That ain't bad. You're moving. I was. And then, uh, things kind of really towards the end really turned sour. Uh, some people say they're salty Marines. I was a sour Marine, uh, right at the end. So I started packing on the weight and, you know, clearly I was getting out and they knew it. They're like, ah, just, you're, you're good. Just stay, stay out of sight, which I worked in an armory for three years. So it was very easy for me to stay out of sight. Um, very, very easy. So it was, it was rough. Uh, my weight was a problem my entire career. Although they told me that before I joined, I, when I was in the, the late entry program as a poolie, they said, Hey, you know, you're a bigger guy. Your, your weight's going to be an issue your entire career. I'm like, why are you letting me go then, man? Like, uh, and it was, it was, but it, it, it was tough and I got through it, but now we're here and I'm enjoying life, not being in the military. So, so basically since 2017 has been your progression up to your, your current weight class and kind of your re-entry into, into the powerlifting world. When you kind of came back into high-level competition, did you have any particular goals in mind? Did you kind of have your sights set on anything? I did. Uh, <clears throat> when I was, when I was uh, competing in the 2014-2015 era, before I had, took that small hiatus, I had set the all-time world record bench at the 242 weight class at 950. And then I, I never accomplished the 1,000-pound mark. I attempted it a couple of times and missed it. And then I temporarily retired, so to speak. So then we're sitting on our couch when we lived on Quantico here, which we, we're still in the same area right outside Quantico. And uh, things were getting kind of crappy in the military, and I wasn't really doing anything, and life was just kind of meh. And uh, we had a conversation of what do you, you know, she said, what do you want to get out of life? What this do you want to do? You and your, this is you and your wife? My wife, yes. Wife of eight years. And uh, I said, you know what? I want to bench a thousand pounds. And at that very moment, I was back at it. I got on the phone with some old sponsors. I got on the phone with the old team, uh, got equipment in and started, started training again. And that's kind of how, it, how, how I came back to it. So uh, your, your focus is, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to imply you're, you're not just a strong human, but bench is your specialty. It's what you're known for. And we'll get to some of your accomplishments in just a second, but tell us about your, your training for that training specifically for hitting big bench press marks. You know, I think a lot of people assume that bench specialists aren't doing deadlifts, aren't doing squats. You're clearly a strong human overall, and you're not going to bench a thousand pounds if you don't have strong legs, right? So right, tell us right. a little bit about your, your, your training approach and how that was kind of split up and focused. So currently what I'm doing is a six day a week training split. Oh, I do it to myself. It's pretty <laughs> miserable. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make a face or make a groan, but that sounds pretty rough. My, 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 so that I have it all kind of structured in my head. It's a little different, but so my, my weekend is Fridays. That's the only day a week I don't train. So that's technically to me, that's my weekend. My week begins with Saturday morning bench. That's my heavy, heavy shirted day, my heaviest day of the week, Saturday mornings. And I structure the rest of the week all the way to Thursday based on the performance I did that week or that weekend. And then it kind of starts back over the next week. Uh, two bench days a week, two upper back days and two shoulder days. 
I will integrate some leg training in there on one of those random days, but the majority of the focus is on the upper body, uh, upper back triceps, and then the training with the heavy weights. Mm-hmm. Now, how does, how does, I mean, obviously you're doing, you're doing some lower, lower body training, but it's, it's focused on upper body. I mean, do you, do you think that like, what role is upper body strength going to play? And, and you obviously have a lot from your earlier days of powerlifting. I mean, do you ever think it's a limiting factor or it's more about just kind of maintaining a level of strength there? You, you, I'm constantly pushing the barrier with upper body strength, uh, upper body size, uh, a lot of, a lot of the training I do besides the actual bench itself is really like bodybuilding. So it's a lot of, I do supersets. Uh, when I train upper back, it's all bodybuilding style, a lot of tons of rows, tons of upper back, uh, traps and stuff like that shrugs. Um, but you have to, if you want to continue to bench more weight, the end goal is to ultimately get stronger. And in my case, not only getting stronger, getting more and more proficient, uh, and technical when it comes to the equipment. Um, yeah, I'm constantly, whether it's more reps, more weight, lower boards, what, whatever it is, I'm always trying to gain something somewhere. So it's very, very important to always be moving forward. Do you, do you ever miss training for uh, a powerlifting total? When I did it, I hated every minute of it. Really? So, what was your, what was your least favorite? Clearly bench is your favorite. So what was your least favorite part? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, so when I was, when I was 20 years old, at a body weight of 218, I totaled 2410, which to my knowledge, to my contemporaries that have, that have told me this, that's still the highest junior total in the 220 class ever accomplished of all, of all time. So I was, I was okay at it, but I just, I, just the, the suits and the wraps and the, just, the, I, I pretty much, I just, I loathe squat and deadlift altogether. I, I just, I never, enjoy, I did it because, of the idea that to be a true power lifter, you have to do all three. And I still kind of agree with that. Uh, so I just kind of did it like, oh, son of a bitch, uh, you know, and, but, uh, <laughs> so I, I got, I got a few totals under my record, uh, under my belt, but ultimately I was like, once I started to put time and focus just into the bench, it blew through the roof. And I'm just, I'm just very happy doing that. Uh, and that's all. Let's talk about training because you're, you're training equipped bench and you're, you are, uh, for, for the record, and I mentioned this in the intro, you have the heaviest of all time in a single ply shirt. Like you're the best. You're the current king of, of the, of the equipped bench. Talk about training for that. Like what actual, lo- are you loading up a thousand plus pounds a week on the bench for this heavy session? What kind of volume and weight are you doing when you train, when you train for the equipped bench? And also kind of an add on to that. How do you actually train for that? Because when you're lifting these kind of weights, you know, one spotter kind of standing over you with the loose grip, two fingers on the barbell, ain't going to cut it as far as safety. No. So, it, and yes. Um, so really and truly, like, my success really depends on my crew. Now, when I went to this competition three weeks ago up in York, uh, but, but between the people that were just there to compete with me and those there to support we had a group of 20 people show up. Incredible. I've never had that happen in my entire career. That was really cool. So it has a lot to do with uh, the crew. So I have, a, I have an enormous crew. Saturdays for those big benches, I have between six to 10 people showing up to be there to help and also get their own training in. That has a lot to do with it. It's not just what, like you said, it's not just one guy kind of hovering with 
a thousand or whatever it is, it's, it's, it's at least five people on the bar with those maximum poundages. Now, as for training for this lift, um, and also the future lifts that I'm going to do, uh, my minimum working weight begins with 1100 pounds. My training philosophy has always been, if you want to bench a specific weight in a competition, you have to handle said weight plus some every single time you're in the gym to bench. So when I was trying to get 700 pounds when I was a teenager, my minimum working weights, whether it was full range, off boards, whatever the scenario was, was 700 pounds and up. Um, that's always, I've done that my entire career and it's worked. So when I go to the gym, my working weights leading up to this meet were anywhere from, it could be 1160. I've handled 1200 pounds quite a few times, 1255. I remember that particular day, uh, 1300 pounds, a couple of different times. I'm handling loads that are way above and beyond. I train for so much more than what I actually accomplish at these competitions. So it's this balance of like, I'm happy that I did that, but at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, I could have done so much more because I trained for that. So it's, it's, so when, when an outlet like Barbin, like us, we write, Hey, this is the heaviest equipped bench press of all time. Really? That's just the heaviest in competition. You've been doing the true heaviest of all time in training leading up to that. Yeah. You know, that, that was kind of part of it. Like, so I was stepping into uncharted territory once, when it came to the actual competition bench. So that I, <laughs> it's part of that it's a mindset you have to have, like, this is a big deal, but at the same time, you can't worry about that. You have to focus on the task at hand that nobody has done this before. Nobody has successfully done this much weight in the bench in history, regardless of gear used, equipment used, age, weight class, doesn't matter. So that was in my mind, but at the same time, it's like, well, I do this every single week, plus 100, 200 pounds more on a regular basis. So for me, the weight was nothing new. It was only new because of the competition setting. Pretty much. Sense. All right. I got to talk about a topic that, you know, I asked you beforehand, you, you said beforehand, you were a pretty open book. So we're going to talk about a topic that, sure. hey, it gets people riled up on the internet. I love that. People, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm sure we'll get some comments on this. People that say it's all about the shirt. They talk about equipped powerlifting and they say, that's not real powerlifting. We actually posted your record lift um, on Instagram. And the, some of the first, I mean, there was a lot of support. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, and there, but there are definitely some people who said, that's not real powerlifting. That's not a real, that's not a real lift. Let's talk about some of the, the perception of equipped lifting. Because for a long time in powerlifting, equipped lifting was like the thing. And now raw powerlifting has become much more popular in the past couple of decades. And it seems like people are kind of frowning upon, or at least some people in the community are frowning upon equipped lifting. So what is your kind of response to that? I don't want to call it a controversy because look, equipped lifting is a sport, right? Let's yes. talk, talk about your perception of that, how you respond to the haters, so to speak. So the thing is, this is going to be hard for a lot of people to understand uh, this, this, this uh, idea I have, but I feel like a lot of people, I think the internet is a mistake. I think the internet should go, it's never going to, you know, we're, we're too deep in it. Um, never in my life has somebody's negative attitude or negative online comment ever affected my performance. That's probably hard for a lot of people to understand. Uh, I stay off the internet for the most part. It doesn't affect me. I, I enjoy what I'm doing for me. Uh, I'm going to lift the way I want to, to please myself and nobody else. So tough. Um, as far as, so equipment, uh, when I was 18, when I got my first shirt, I could bench 550. Oof. 
felt like a Mack truck was on my on my on my hands. Was that right? five fifty raw or five fifty with a shirt? That was five. I was benching a four high fours raw at eighteen. I could bench five fifty in that shirt. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, the learning curve is is enormous. So hard to learn. But so the thing is, is people will look at it and oh, not a real lift. So for I mean, I've I've spent thirteen years from eighteen to now, thirteen years crawling and scratching my way to get to this eleven twenty over third over over a decade of consistent work. Even like a two year hiatus, that break I took there right in the middle. Um, gear has been. <laughs> equipment sorry <laughs> it's hey there's a it's, yeah yeah terminology is confusing sometimes it's it yeah I'm, I'm still the old school gear means equipment but okay equipment has been a part of the sport since the 80s mm-hmm. yeah so you know the first squat suit came out like i think 79 or 80 the marathon squat suit bench shirts followed shortly after so it's been part of the sport for over four decades so whatever um so it's not going it, it, anywhere it's not like some people are suddenly going to stop no, lifting it, equipped <laughs> it's just been because around for raw a long got, time raw got popular and everything that's cool but equipped didn't go anywhere raw is easy you can i lift raw every day you know what i mean like it's what if you if that's what you want to do that's cool do it for yourself i'm not going to lift raw to please others i'm going to lift raw when i am damn well ready to if that ever happens um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot of people don't understand it. They look at it and go, it's cheating. Uh, but I, I, I offer anybody, I, my shirts are available to anybody they want. If they want to come and try it out, make it work. I'll load up the weight for you. <laughs> you, you and a, and a few helpers probably. Let's talk yeah. about, I mean, would you ever go, go back to raw lifting? Is that something you've ever kind of noodled on in your head? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I got such a passion for the equipment. So I grew up in the, you know, in the sport in the mid early 2000s when equipment was at its all time high. Yeah. Yeah. The WPO was, maybe the WPO was finally come back. Um, but it was WPO was super popular. The Arnold classic, um, you know, all these, all these big lifters and Ryan Canelli was prominent and Donnie Thompson and Chuck Vogelpohl, all the West side guys. So that's the part of the, you know, when, when powerlifting was more underground, um, so lifting raw would be something where I, I'm completely satisfied with my equipped numbers, which, I mean, I've had that conversation with my wife several times. She's like, when's it, when's it going to be enough? When are you going to, when are you going to be satisfied? I'm like, I can't answer that for you. I have no idea. Well, that was going to be my next question. So you preempted that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, if that point ever does come around where I am very satisfied with what I've done, because in order to train raw and try to be the best in the world raw, I'd have to completely change everything that I'm doing, completely ditch the equipment, train exclusively raw. Um, but I, you know, I lift equipped for a one more big reason is because I don't want to get hurt. The original idea with the equipment was because guys were, whenever you hear somebody ripping a pec, blowing out a shoulder, ripping a quad, when is it during, during raw lifting? It's very, especially bench press, very, very risky at maximum poundages. And me being a natural athlete, if I rip my pec or blow out a shoulder, I'm, I can't recover from that very, very quick. It's going to be a very long process. And the equipment is there to keep you safe. I want to do this sport for decades, not just years. So it, it's, it have, it's a big turn of events would have to happen for me to go exclusively raw. So for now, not going to happen. I think what people, 
underestimate with equipped lifting. And I hardly, I'm hardly like, look, there's one expert on this recording and it ain't me. Right. But to lead in, I think what people don't underestimate, understand about equipment is it's not, as you mentioned, it's not like you just put on a shirt and you're automatically doubling your bench. It's not like you put on a squat suit and suddenly you've got robot legs. Mm-hmm. It's, there is a learning curve. You have to learn to work with this instrument and work in harmony with this instrument. It's an entirely different sport. The mechanics, yes, completely different. It's not like you can take the best raw lifter, add a sh- the best raw bench presser. It's not like you could take Julius Maddox, put him in a bench shirt, and suddenly he's lifting more than you are equipped. Right. Because it's just different mechanics. It's a different lift. It is. It is. It, it, it's and it's, you know it, it's it's fabric. You know, like. It's high-dense fabric. It's not like a T-shirt. It's high-dense polyester is what I'm using. Single layer of polyester, the most basic piece of equipment that's in powerlifting. Single-ply is the bare-bone basic. And I'm very attracted to the idea of getting as much as you possibly can out of you know, one layer of material. Um, but there, yeah, it is. I've been using... So I used a single-ply Titan Super Katana for this lift, 1120. I've been using Katanas... Since the since eight since eighteen years old. Oh wow! So you're a company I, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been with Anderson Powerlifting since I was nineteen, so about twelve years with the company. They're a distributor for Titan uh, Titan Support Systems equipment. Um, so I've I've spent over a decade getting very very proficient at this particular. I haven't switched shirts back and forth different companies. I've been with this one particular particular shirt for a very very long time and learned how to use it. So. But uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun. I enjoy it a lot. It's it almost reminds me the closest analog I can think of. And again, of, I'm not the expert on this call, but it's like a, it's like a set of golf clubs for a golfer, right? They kind of have to become one with mm-hmm. their instrument. And you you always hear about like if a golfer switches drivers or something like that, it's a big deal. They got to retool yes. their whole game. And switching a shirt would would probably be similar for you, if not even more impactful. I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, like I said, I've been with the same company for 12 years, pushing 13 almost. And uh, they they distribute for Titan. So I use Titan equipment. Uh, But to switch, I mean, if if something works, it's what is, why change it? It's it's very, very cliche. If it works, why change it? And that's what's worked for me at all seven of my all time world records, not world records, all time have been set using a Titan katana in one format or another, sometimes single ply, sometimes multiply, but all the same style shirt. Um, so I've become an expert with it uh, over the course of 12 years. No one can, they can't buy a brand ambassador better than you as far as proof is in the pudding. Yeah. I mean, until, until, you know, one of these multiply guys or one of these, you know, these new band sh- rubber shirt guys surpasses that mark. Uh, I can at this point, very moment tell you that the Titan single ply super katana is the greatest piece of equipment in benching you could possibly buy until someone surpasses that mark and okay, whatever. Oh, Jimmy, what are other, any other misconceptions as we kind of come toward the end that you think people might have about equipped lifting, what you're doing, anything that you just kind of want to say like, Hey folks, this might be something that you're thinking about wrong. That's a hard one. Uh, I mean, cause basically, you know, the, the biggest thing with equipped lifting is that it's cheating, it's cheating, it's cheating. I don't hear a lot of hate when it comes to uh, Hawthorne or Eddie Hall uh, pulling over 1,100 pounds in the deadlift. And they're using all the equipment they have to their advantage for that lift. Now, it's a deadlift, not a bench. It's not a squat. It's a different lift. But straps, deadlift suits, 
two belts, whatever. They're going to use as much equipment as they can to their advantage. Uh, you throw a bench shirt in there, it's like, oh, it's just it's just pure cheating. It doesn't matter. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Uh, but like I said, it's been a literal part of the sport for over 40 years. It's not this brand new thing that just came out in the last decade or so. Um, I invite people to try it. I think a lot of it, what I hear is just ignorance or arrogance or both matters to me. Not, uh, like I said, nothing affects me except what I am doing for myself. So <laughs> internet comments, uh, are very irrelevant when it comes to real life. And I've accepted that a long time ago and I'm very happy, very peaceful, uh, but try it. it, it it's fun. It's going to keep you safe. But you're not, you're never going to rip a peck. You're not going to blow out a shoulder. Arguably, it's a little more dangerous because the weights are heavier and accidents can happen. You know, you can dump it on your belly. You can dump it on your face. I've done both with a thousand pounds plus. It's not fun, um, but it's fun. It's going to keep you safe. And it's just, it's a different challenge. Both raw and equipped have their own challenges. I respect both for what they are. Um, so it's just give it a try and, and see, and you might have a different frame of thought. Excellent. Jimmy, where's the best place for people to follow along when you are online with what you're doing and, and you're lifting and training? Most of it goes on Instagram. Uh, Kolb Strong, K-O-L-B Strong is the Instagram handle. That's basically my brand on everything. I also host a Patreon channel, uh, the Kolb Strong Power Community. Um, people can pledge 10 bucks a month and they can see. That's the easiest way for me to show people. I get questions all the time. How do you train? How do you do this? How do you structure that? I put every those six days a week that I told you about of my training, I record from first set of the first exercise to the last of the last exercise, six days a week with commentary over top of it. So people can literally watch day by day, by week by week of what I'm doing in the gym to lead me to these big benches. So Instagram and Patreon, I'm on Facebook, but not very often. So that's, that's probably the best way. Excellent. Jimmy, thanks so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for having me here. It was a pleasure and uh, well, you'd have a good rest of your week. 